There's a maniac who seeks to end us all. I will create a world of suffering and pain. We must do something. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Both of us are apparently gods now, floating through the omnipotent city. Uh, I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Don't call it Olympus, Mike. I refuse to call it anything but Olympus. <laughs> Just absurd that they have to. I mean, I guess do, is there a copyright on Olympus? What happened there? Is <laughs> there like some Greek they yogurt? They just owe Greece money. It's just a country <laughs> of Greece they have to pay. I mean, Russell Crowe should have to pay the country of Greece. Let's be honest. Does Russell Crowe get that role if he's not in Gladiator twenty-two years ago? No, that's a of very course good not, point. right? That's a it's very the same. Good point. It's the, basically just an extension of of his of his Gladiator role. I think it's fa- he's fat Gladiator now. He's yeah. moved up to where Joaquin Phoenix was. Is the only difference. It's very fitting. It adds a whole new element. I think I'm raising my score of this movie another three points. <laughs> well, that'll be one of us, and that'll preview where we land on this movie as we bring you. Uh, it's it's a half Oscars profile, half, half movies review. I don't know that we're going to get a lot of Oscars stuff, Oscars legs out of Thor, Love, and Thunder, but that's the review we're bringing to you today, brought to you by MMO here. If you've not joined us for one of these episodes before, what they are are two reviews for the price of one. Uh, the first half of this review, we will not give anything away. I mean, we're not giving away that Russell crows in this movie it'll be spoiler free in the first half so if you've not seen thor love and thunder yet do not fret we will not spoil the movie for you in the first half of this episode There'll be a spoiler warning at the halfway point, then we'll get into the twists and turns of the plot and what we did and did not like about all things that this movie had to offer. Uh, let's start, Mike. Let's introduce the movie. Let's uh, let's update numbers and talk about box office and plot premises and all that fun stuff for Thor, Love and Thunder here. All right, so... The, we did a final preview in our last Oscar race checkpoint, but we do have a couple of updates to the numbers, and the numbers have gone down slightly. I think it was at 72% on Rotten Tomatoes last night. I was th- working every website hard last night after I saw this movie. That's why they went down. Yeah, 68% now on Rotten Tomatoes, 264 reviews. That's down a few points. And then the audience sto- uh, scores started to come in, and I think those are positive, as, as it was in my theater. 85%. Yeah. 85% 1K votes on Rotten Tomatoes, early score there, and 7.1 out of 10 on 27,000 votes, whatever that means on IMDb. I, I, we got to do an audit. IMDb needs to, like, call in Ernst & Young or somebody to, like, I got to figure out what's going on with IMDb. 7.1 is fine. I'm not mad at that score. But 27,000 people are still flocking to IMDb within a day of this thing being released? Uh, it's a lot of people are... are made uh, during the pandemic they made accounts on imdb i guess maybe all the trolls from rotten tomatoes as the restrictions got tighter they went over to they IMDb. found a new home that could be there is some Zack snyder block black and white in this movie you yeah there is and uh, it's done well do you want to talk about box office at all because i kind of internalized it i read tom box office Burgerman's uh, article got? on IndieWire, and he was saying like he was analyzing the international take because it mm-hmm. came out a day early internationally and basically the cross projections now are around 140 if the international is going to like translate somehow to the domestic box office we don't have any early numbers yet michael but last week we talked about 140 to 167 no it was earlier this week and yeah that was kind of the the way too early projections. Are you guessing an over on that? Our our theaters were jam packed. 
I mean, we saw this at two very different times of day, too. I saw it on the first screening. It was like 3 p.m. on a Thursday. You saw it. It was going to be 10 p.m. You ended up seeing it 9 p.m. on an yeah. IMAX screening or a LIMAX screening. Sold out. On Thursday night. And both of our theaters were, I think this is going to do a zillion dollars. Yeah, it's big, colorful, happy, funny. Yeah. If I put the over-under at, at, its, at its opening for 160 worldwide, you going over? Oh, God. 160. I mean, you're... you're... It's a big number. <sighs> You, you you see my excitement. You could see it. In my I think shorts. I would go over. And I'm not excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would probably go over. But uh, by Brugerman, how dare I bet against Brugerman? He would say under. I think we got to get him on sometime. We got to. Yeah, yeah. We got to just got to ask. Yeah. He's a good, dude. Uh, yeah. Plot premise, Michael. Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie Korg and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster, that's Dr. Jane Foster to you, IMDb, mm-hmm. to fight Gore the God Butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct because he's not a fan of thinking things through. Right. Uh, we're going to have a lot to say about his master plan and spoilers, uh-huh. but uh, Christian Bale, my God, is he scary looking. Every, every, every new role, scary. I wish he put an accent on for this. Uh, he did, kind of, but it's still Christian Bale. But man, he did not look like Christian Bale at all. It sounded like Christian Bale, what but it didn't look like Christian Bale. He just leaned into his Australian roots because I know he's like through Australia to Britain somehow. But he's a, he was at, in Australia, grew up there at some point, and mm. if he just leaned back into that accent that he has since lost, mm. but that would have been scary. That. You're right. You're right. That would have worked. I think. But he's working with all of these Aussies on this movie. From start to finish, and I, I, no, he just like I'm talking like Christian Bale, uh, which is half American, half Australian, half British right now. His, his, he has the mutt of accents, Christian Bale. Yeah, he does, and it it works to his advantage because he can play anything from Dick Cheney to Gore the God Butcher. Apparently, uh, Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. hated playing Fat Thor, so that's why he just took all the steroids for this movie. Well, he's also playing Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he is a giant in this movie. He is the most shredded man I have ever seen. It's it's pretty awesome. It's awesome. Somebody made use of the pandemic. Once he got cast <laughs> as Hulk Hogan, he's like, all right, I got to get huge. But Good this is like, God. he's cut, too. It's not just yes. huge. He's cut. Enormous. Enormous Playing muscles. an actual God. I believe him. Yeah. Uh, so, look, I, I appreciate you seeing this movie before me. And I, I really think that this needs to happen more often, where you basically <laughs> give me per- permission to just uh-huh. shut my brain off and be happy with a movie, where yeah. you're just like, mm, I don't like the story at all. Mm, this is just, I'm numb to the world. Like you normally are. You're just gr- right. a grumpy person. And I can't remember the last time I enjoyed a movie, but go ahead. You <laughs> helped me so much. You helped me so Good. much. Because like Good. all your complaints were just like, I fed off them. And basically, I was just like, "All right, I'm just gonna relax. This is and and enjoy the comedy of this film." And as you guys know, like for me, if a movie is funny, if it makes me laugh twenty times, Mike, and you know mm-hmm. this better than anybody, mm-hmm. but Christ, our fans should know this by now. If a movie makes me laugh, I will forgive it some just mortal sins. Yeah, especially story wise. Yeah, this. I don't know that I was expecting maybe the funniest MCU movie, but that's what I got. Uh, it, it bordered on farcical for me some at some point. Like it, mm-hmm. it almost felt to me like Taika Waititi is done with the MCU. 
<laughs> this was his uh, big send off with all yeah. the fireworks. All he needed was like Jeff Goldblum's face in right. the skies with the fireworks. Like, how can work. I make sure they don't ask me back? Type thing. I'm just going to put everything that comes to my mind that makes me laugh into this movie. And he and cut it out. It's funny. He cut out like a half hour, according to Natalie Portman, too. <laughs> is, but, it just, is it just Thor doing stand-up for that half hour? Is that what it was? <laughs> it's really fun. Korg doing stand-up. I would watch yeah, Korg doing stand-up, which is, again, Taika doing stand-up. <laughs> I would see, yeah. As long as he's not giving an award show speech at the Indie Spirits, he's, <laughs> he's, he's okay in my book. God, he bombed at the Indie Spirits stage. Again, that's why I was worried about this movie, because Taika Waititi's yeah. post-pandemic award show speech bombed so thoroughly and painfully that I... That, that, yeah, I mean, I'm just ir- I was irrationally lowering my expectations months ago, even though this was perhaps one of my most anticipated movies in the last couple of years. Somehow, and again, not somehow, thanks to you for mm-hmm. like getting off the boat first before we stormed the beach, or and me <laughs> using you as a human shield. You're I was being able, very nice. <laughs> I was able to like this movie and have more fun because you took the hits first. I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to, to do that for you. And just I, Did I ever tell you the story about oh, when I was working at the courthouse I worked at? Uh, people would just come up to me and tell me how good morale was with everyone we worked with. And it was they all like thought it was due to me because I just sucked up everyone's negative energy and was just this miserable curmudgeon. And like, everybody loved having me around the office because I just said it like I was. And I was just like a total ass the entire time. But they needed that because it made them happier. I wonder if our audience feeds us feeds off us in similar ways because we got a lot of just genuine movie lovers right. for audience right. members. And sometimes I wonder how the hell that is. Because, My biggest thing, Mike, like yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. you know I've said, well, there's other podcasts out there that do this and like they don't like movies. And as the more we review movies, I'm like, do I not like movies? <laughs> you are the grumpiest person I, I've ever met. But I think that's just a general life. Uh-huh. I think I think it's actually enjoyable to this at, at this point. I hope you so. dislike something. I <laughs> I, so. I just feed off of it. You're like you've become this, you know, uh, c- character mm. on, on a on a sitcom for me. Good. Good. Be grumpy. You're the Eeyore character. So I <laughs> right. wonder if our audience feeds off you this in a similar way. I don't well, know. Then allow me to take this movie down piece <laughs> by piece for everyone's benefit and enjoyment. Um <laughs> overall composition my biggest complaint, and what I said to you multiple times before you saw your sh- your screening, I th- like things just happen in this movie. Yeah, I think this might be the worst edited movie of the MCU I saw. I don't disagree with you. I think the Thor Ragnarok editing was pretty extraordinary. Agree, and it really flowed well, even though it was kooky and silly. But you had you had it resting on characters like Loki. And then the the back and forth between Thor and Hulk, I think it was, I think it was more at home. And and of course you had you know Jeff Goldblum just being weird. He's just always mm-hmm. weird. Right. I think it felt like it should be that pacing and that New Zealand delivery. And maybe we were just in love with it the first time we had it. This is like a sped up version of that. This is like a Doctor Strange multiverse of madness. Now, that that's not to say like this movie is incomprehensible in terms no. of following the story. It's another very simple storyline. Yeah. It just, it, there are like leaps in the line where I'm going to, you definitely blow it up and spoil it. Total, total yada yada. Right. 
So we could, but here's the thing: I forgive all the plot holes when I am laughing three right. times per scene. It's the same way, like in Elvis. If I'm going to tap my feet in musical glee for the entire film, why am I not going to come, you know, come come to this podcast and give it a thumbs up? I had so much continuous fun watching Thor: Love and Thunder with the colors, with the with with these characters, with with all the jokes. That, yeah, it's not like top-tier MCU, Pixar, Disney storytelling of the last 20 years, maybe, but I don't care because I just have fun. They they hit, they hit tickle my funny bone. Maybe I'm holding uh, the MCU in too high of regard or, like, the stories from the MCU. It's not even the story I had an issue with in this movie, necessarily, because, you said, like you said, it's very, fairly simplistic, and it, it's not they screwed it up or it was incomprehensible in any way, but I just, I feel like if this wasn't, if this was tight, if this was like a scary movie spoof of the, of an MCU movie <laughs> instead of an actual MCU entry, if this was Taika Waititi's scary movie of Thor, yeah, it, I would be more palatable to it. Yeah, Jermaine Clement would be the star of that. So <laughs> you know, we'll get that eventually later in the CV. But yeah, I, I I could see that coming out of this, and certainly I think it's deliberate. Taika can't take certain things seriously. Right. And in a way, that's refreshing. But this movie also has some major tonal problems because of the characters, Christian Bale and Natalie Portman. They have such dramatic story arcs, which I was not expecting. And Extremely serious, yeah. But you should be expecting it when you think of a Thor movie. Every single one of these films, and especially Thor Ragnarok... He's dealing with some huge, tragic, mon- you know, monsters in his in his in his life and in his history, both literal and figurative, that he's got to overcome. So this is, you know, Jojo Rabbit's strength, the tragic comedy of that, and this is Taika Waititi's strength. And I think Chris Hemsworth, you know, having that delivery that that has become just such a I don't know. It's it's almost like the there's nothing behind his eyes. There he's it's almost like Drax a, with blonde hair. Nothing can go over my head. I'm too tall and too fast. I would catch it. He's Drax with blonde hair. Yeah. I don't understand how he isn't more aware. And maybe he's aware of everything, but he is such a comedic entity now. Thor, the character right. of Thor, that it's you know everything bounces off of him, and that's how the movie kind of starts. And that he's just mastered this tone, Chris Hemsworth. It is a wild swing too. Like Jojo Rabbit never really went to absurdity; it stayed within charming, charmingly funny, and then went back to seriousness. This this kind of goes from ultra serious, like the most serious human condition stuff, to slapstick at time, and it's just a tough. You can't take both those entities seriously, within, or at least it's very difficult to, within one movie. There's just this frivolous nature to all the Thor scenes, and he's got this invincibility to him, I guess, like a god, and he's just nailed it. Like, he's he's bulletproof even when he's sad. He just, he just leans into his sadness mm. that it's hilarious when he's the dude, you know, in previous films, and now... Yeah, he, he's bec- he, he's become Thor the rebounded. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> really, really funny. So when he's bulletproof and he meets Natalie Portman, uh, you know, you, you get get that uh, relationship taken back up again. I, I'm I'm laughing, like I said, three times a scene. Now, 
Portman is really good at the dramatic stuff, as is Christian Bale. I mean, they're incredible. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, the anguish on their faces is just... I, it, it crystallizes these tonal issues to me because, like, this is some of the best acting in the history of the MCU. Right. And it's in the movie that it should not be in. I was thinking about that the whole time. Like, these are Oscar winners. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, these two are going back and forth and they're putting forth, like, this serious acting chops against the backdrop of stuff that's. You, you can't ask why about anything in this movie because then you're lost. Right. I think if you have like an encyclopedic knowledge of the comics, like all the YouTube sure. videos I've been watching uh, since I've seen the movie. And That's thank you. great. So this yeah. movie was made for the most toxic part of the fandom. Well, but Screen Crush and and Spoiler Show. What's that? What's that uh, one Spoiler Show that he's 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 gotten to new levels of comedy for me too. Heavy Spoilers. Congratulations to Heavy Spoilers and his yeah. millions. <laughs> millions of followers but he, he's earned it because he's really funny and th- they they dissect everything to where uh, i'm nodding along with the entire you know the entire plot uh, explained to me in great detail so on and that level you can make sense of everything but mm-hmm. you're, you're right in the flow of the movie it doesn't exactly work uh, and the, I, I got major plot holes that I'm even despite what everything they explained to me, I'm mm. going to have problems with. But, Michael, I do think that this ensemble is fun. And again, it's yeah. M- it's the MCU and they're doing this for economic reasons as as much as, you know, story generosity, which we've established now, especially with the our coverage of this new cinematic universe that has stretched to the time travel levels to the marvel theology levels which i'm sick of already to the uh uh to the multiverse like we got too much world building right now we know this and without uh, a point yeah the stakes are kind of sapped in this like reverse logic sort of way ironically we have no idea what the end game is going supposed to be no we don't but it's we don't care because it's fun to see the guardians of the galaxy right 20 minutes and it's fun to meet russell crowe and his hall of uh what is it omnipotent (laughs) omnipotent city yeah come on man you know and half the cast of moon knight is in there (laughs) and then you know then we see all the old thor people like yeah it's fun it's fun to see everybody again but I i don't know what it does it's just like yeah we're seeing all our friends again for a glimpse or whatever yeah yeah, but they get not, jokes. Yeah. They get they get their jokey jokes. So I'm giggling, and I just they feel like sure a, do. a toddler <laughs> seeing a shiny object, just clapping my hands. I mean, the, the theater was laughing consistently. You know, people, there was there was legitimately fun stuff in this. So I I get it. I was laughing along with him. Production values. Uh, Michael Giacchino's score. I don't. I'm score deaf, so it's my problem. Yeah, nothing stuck with me from this one either, which is a rarity for Mr. Giacchino! Uh, The cinematography, Barry Baz, uh, Idoan, excuse me. Um, I I cannot pronounce that name. But uh, look, I I think the cinematography was a little better in Thor Ragnarok, but I don't think the editing helps the cinematography in this one because you got the palette. And some of these one shots, especially in the shadow realm that we saw in the trailer, absolutely gorgeous. So I think the photography is well done here. The editing goes too fast, in my opinion. 
So what is editing as far as this movie goes? Like, if you're talking about clipping scenes together or clipping continuity between cuts together, then I think it's subpar, especially for an MCU movie, but for a AAA movie in general. If you're talking about, like, editing within the scene, if I don't know if that's more VFX design or graphic design or whatever, it's top-notch. It's top-tier. That Shadow Realm stuff that they do with the lack of color and the, you know, some color, it's beautifully, beautifully done. And I, I loved how when they transitioned into it immediately it felt like a hitchcock film because the shadows grew over their Mm. faces and oh my god it was just such a send-up to black and white filmmaking at its best it felt like every class i ever took on it and i I was really impressed Uh, that being said i'm also impressed with the design for the most part production design costume design i just didn't like the olympus stuff i thought that was really hokey I mean, the omniscient. Yeah, but at the same time, that city? could be the thing that gets this a costume design nomination. Could it? Look, I just, I'm not a huge, I, I, I know they got a lot of uh, built-in actual theology and archaeology and all the ologies built into, you know, like Black Panther did, into the real-life costumes that they created for this. And they did in Moonlight. I I don't know. I don't understand how it's it looks so cartoonish. And that's my biggest issue with the VFX of this film, Michael, is that it just felt like Roger Rabbit to me. It felt like hmm. here are your Marvel characters. Here's the human beings, and here's the cartoons and hmm. people and cartoons. And I was on an IMAX screen, per- perhaps the best resolution there is, or I don't know. Maybe I should have been in the Dolby. But did you didn't feel that way, or are you are you blind? No, you, I, you I mean, I didn't. Thick glasses. You're talking. You're talking about with the uh, with some of the gods we met juxtaposed against the human people that we're using. Yeah, some of it's practical effects and actual costuming and just prosthetics, and that's great. But it's so obvious when it is, and then you just get the cartoon god of whatever. It's silly nonsense. It really is silly nonsense next to real life human being, and I could just tell immediately. Maybe they were trying banking on Chris Hemsworth gigantic butt distracting you maybe i we should give james cameron more credit because when we watched that avatar trailer before no. this movie no i will the, not. but the the cgi cartoon blue people look like they have a texture it looks like i yes, can grab I their agree arm with that i agree with that wholeheartedly that's not enough for me to forgive him for 15 years between sequels <laughs> if that's what I was waiting for, just put it out in 2011, man. <laughs> but even Shang-Chi, it looked like if you grabbed the dragon, you could actually grab the dragon. Like, this movie just felt like if you if you reached out, you would not touch the, the whatever cartoon effect. Like, these shadow monsters, you couldn't touch them. And that's a problem. Maybe Taiko just gave be, up. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's not something I noticed, but I was battling so many other criticisms that maybe it's just one that slipped past the goalie there. Maybe it's been happening a lot in the Disney plus shows. I wonder if they're spreading their, their people too thin. I wonder if they don't care as much. And it's, you know, Guillermo del Toro's done a ton of stuff in shadow that, that has depth to it. Right. Mm. We don't get that as much here. I mean, I think they, they nailed it in the finale, I would say. But leading up to it, I was I was disappointed in the VFX. So I'm not predicting a VFX nomination here. Uh, I will say that musically, the soundtrack, I have not enjoyed these Guns N' Roses songs, perhaps in 20 years. But <laughs> being in an IMAX theater, 
listening to this songs, I, I was rocking out the entire time. I mean, I, I just, I absolutely loved all of these just super duper, you know, a hundred times platinum hits from the, you know, Guns N' Roses' greatest hits album. But they just rock, they rocked this whole theater. Everybody was going nuts. It's tough not to get goosebumps when the Guns N' Roses kicks in in this, I agree. Uh, and then playing over the gorgeous battle scenes. Like, you had Oscar-level work here. I just don't think we're going to get anything nominated from this movie. I would be surprised. We did not get VFX in Ragnarok. And Giacchino's been doing so much stuff. He's, you know, the score is good. I just, I, I would doubt it. I, I don't, maybe costumes? Maybe costumes. But I don't, Makeup then, and I'm hair, not, maybe. Yeah. But again, it's be. just cartoonish, half of it. I don't know. I'm guessing no, and I'm guessing people will remember this movie as a lark and have it had enjoyed it at the cinemas and then it makes over a billion dollars. It may not make the 1.5 we were thinking, but it's still going to make a lot of money, I'm guessing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, I listen, if you were in a screening a screening with an H, if mm-hmm. you were in a screening that wasn't sold out, I'd like to know about it, but I I mean, from what we've seen People posting uh, pictures from their local cinemas or their local AMC's online all weekend. It looks like these things have been packed. My my theater in Danbury, there the AMC in Danbury, Mike. I have not seen it this crowded. And good, I, yeah. It, it really was fun. Like I had to park right near the Best Buy, <laughs> like almost good. in front of the Best Buy. So that was really exciting to see that place hopping because we were going there. During the dark ages mm-hmm. where nobody was there, you could park three feet away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was cool. Uh, last question for non-spoilers. Do you know where this ranks in your MCU rankings? I had to, like, the first thing I did when I got home last night was put this in a ranking. And I don't even remember if I put it in there properly. Like, I don't think I have stuff properly rated necessarily because I remember liking movies like Ant-Man more on the second rewatch. You said last night. Both Ant-Mans were worse than this, and that was the most offensive thing you said in a string of offensive things to me. However, however, <laughs> I've rewatched some like Ultron. I rewatched some other stuff. I probably put that lower. Anyway, I got my list here. You probably disagree with it a hundred times over. I think Thor: Love and Thunder somewhere in the middle for me. And again, it's highs are high, lows are low. I'm I'm gonna you know lean towards the the funny and just. I just enjoyed myself for two hours. Is that so? Is that so wrong? Where does it rank amongst the Thors for you? It's it's not even close to Ragnarok. I thought Ragnarok was masterpiece level. I agree. Thor-ness. I think most people would agree with you. I I have a hard time. Like I have it right next to the first Thor, and I don't know if I should rate it higher or lower than the first Thor, which is kind of just a small story, a very small little story, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to put it. To me, it's like somewhere in the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 Ant-Man's range for me. Multiverse of Madness, it's close. I mean, it's probably, it's probably I have it above the Multiverse of Madness. Do you have it above any of those or none? I'm softer on it today than I was last night. Because I can't blame you if you have this in the 20s. I really can't. Because a lot of those are closely rated for me. Yeah, last night, if you were to ask me this question, I was ready to put it down with the Incredible Hulk. I was just so, Ooh. like, frustrated and just angry at You this, took the but... bullets. You took the hits on this for me. <laughs> you really did. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I've softened on it. I still don't know that I'd put it above, like, even Iron Man 3. It's hard, you know? it's hard to say. I, there's a lot to love about Iron Man 3 and 2 upon rewatch. I loved Iron Man 2 when we redid it for the uh, 
And yeah, I did too. Rewatch I was there. surprised with that. I was I shocked. And, I, and that, maybe that's a, that could be a hallmark of the MCU stuff, too, because I remember not being thrilled with Iron Man 2 when I watched it in theaters. And then on our rewatch, I liked it more. So, Well, look, I am not a, a thin man, but I tell <laughs> myself that I'm going to do an elliptical every morning for 20 minutes in my Edge, uh-huh. edge Fitness Cinema. And they play an MCU movie like once a week, so I get to like revisit these movies here and here and there. And Iron Man two came up one time. I loved twenty minutes of it. Nice. So that's why I'm like I'm confused. My MCU rankings are confused right now, but I'm guessing it's somewhere in the middle. I, I have it literally ranked fifteen out of twenty nine, which is exactly in the middle. Uh, and that was by accident. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. Mm-hmm. You're more polit. You're more. Uh, what's the word here? I'm looking for. But here's the know. thing. I was I was disappointed with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 when I saw it the first time, and I've never gotten over that disappointment because I loved Guardians of the Galaxy 1 so much. I was irrationally disappointed. I'll admit that now. I don't know if you're there because you liked Ragnarok as I don't know if as much as me, but you liked it a lot, but you I had to see this first. You were your expectations were ridiculously high for this movie. But nope. they weren't. That's the thing. Like I, I that's why I'm so upset yeah, but, about it because like I like they were higher than yours probably. You were more guarded, but I was still like How does this happen to you every time? You have higher expectations than me. It's your like you truly are a romantic. And I'm truly <laughs> I truly think the it's cuz I'm like it's not that hard to make a fucking <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it's difficult to make a movie, but it's not hard to make a story comprehensive. I mean, how many episodes do we have? Fooled me 700 times. <laughs> like, why are your expect? Why are aren't your expectations lower for every single movie? How know. are you not delighted more often? Because you should be grumpier in the previewing stage. I don't. I don't. I, don't I genuinely. That's a great question. That's a great psychological breakdown. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. You're I tr- wanted. I went into this like wanting to to love it. I I even forced that preview se- section in the last episode. It really didn't fit. But I forced it because I was like, all right, I got it. Mike's going to fly off the – he's going to jump out the window on this movie. We can't I let think this it's happen. Just, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Like, I, I just – I go into these movies full of hope, and I end up, like, watching Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had the proper expectations for Lamb – What does that mean? <laughs> What are the proper expectations for Lamb? You, Ed Swell, had improper expectations for Lamb. (laughs) Just improper. It's just inappropriate. Like, again, you have your expectations are way too high for all these movies, in my opinion. What does that mean? Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in every filmmaker. (laughs) I don't know how Because the easy counter argument here is, okay, Mike, one, you go make a movie. And I would be a monkey, like. You know, playing the fucking banjo, making a movie right now. Yeah, it, it, I was that in, my, right. in a previous <laughs> life, and I could tell you, these are. So I under like I, I try. Yeah. I understand how out of my depth I am. That's why I keep trying to say I'm coming at this as a fan and someone who just loves stories and someone who's. But you're doing you know, it again. You're even talking yourself up now to the, like the next movie. You're like, you're giving this uh, speech. You're on a soapbox think, right Mike, now. About I honest to God think like when I leave a theater after <laughs> if you're making me sit there for two hours, two and a half hours with previews <laughs> or staying through the credits and all that. Like if I'm not giddy by the time, like if I don't want to live in the world, if you didn't you've have an down. orgasm. By the end of it, you're upset. You're like, th- and there was no Thorgasm to be had in this movie. Thor- I felt neither love nor thunder. <laughs> you again, you you have irrationally high expectations. Of it could be that. In my it opinion, yeah. All right, let's, you uh, and uh, Emma Thompson. 
my spirit animal. I just watched Good Luck to You, Leo Grant, which, of course, <laughs> is the perfect movie to bring up in the Thor Love and Thunder episode. Let's get into spoilers. <laughs> the Mike One Emma Thompson buddy cop movie. <laughs> spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler. Warning. This is the spoiler section for Thor Love and Thunder brought to you by Mike, Mike and Oscar. This is where you want to be for all the twists and turns, the ins and outs of the plot. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check out the movie at your local theater. We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play on us. Otherwise, like I said, this is where you want to be. All spoilers all the time from here on out till the end of the episode for Thor Love and Thunder brought to you by Mike, Mike and Oscar. Michael, where are we starting? All right, we could probably should start with the plot holes and and talk through our negativity and maybe finish with some positives. Was there any fucking justification why Zeus's lightning bolt was a necessity? It <laughs> Did anyone explain how they knew what that thing could do? You give it to Valkyrie too. You give it to Valkyrie, which was so awesome that she's powerful enough to, to wield this thing. Beautiful. And is there anything that says it's akin to Thor's hammer where only certain people can wield it? Was there any substantiation for that thing? The weapon stuff makes no They're sense. They're sitting to me. in Olympus, and Valkyrie on a whim is just like, oh, we could let's get his tool. Let's get his lightning bolt. And everyone's like, yeah, let's do that instead. What? The did the lightning bolt eventually kill the sword? Or was that, no, wasn't it Molnir anyway? Jane Foster's hammer killed the sword. I thought, yeah, Jane Foster's hammer finally killed the Thor. Finally killed the sword. But I thought what the the lightning bolt was going to be was at least a way to transport, you know, these guys to and from the Shadow Realm when Eh. Molnir was somewhere else and where where, uh, Stormbreaker was somewhere else. But even that is undone because... You don't need certain things to transport. We proved that. Four goes without teleport. anything. Everything could teleport right. in this movie. So they, you have these children who are prisoners in this very flimsy, you know, War of the Worlds knife cage thingy. That, it's Lord that, of the Flies, except no one wants to be Lord. <laughs> and you literally have him not, like, broadcasting his holographic self through the Heimdall eyes. And when was that established as a thing it, Thor could do? It was a thing Thor could do in the last movie, I think. The I, I mean, I have I have the least issue with that, but that's been but, established? We were told he could do that? I don't remember. How do they not just, like, teleport back and forth and, like, uh, what's that character? Nightwing or whatever? What, Night something in X-Men? Nightcrawler? Just, Nightcrawler. Just Nightcrawler all the kids out of there. <laughs> in seconds. <laughs> It's a great question. End of movie. She doesn't have to risk her life. She can get her chemotherapy and then, which wasn't working anyway. So she was kind of doomed. Mighty Thor there. Uh, uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, Jane has cancer, which uh, Molnir is sucking her life force, by the way. So that was a misdirect that frustrated me. What? (laughs) The nerds on YouTube, our fellow nerds, explain this. I'll fight them. I'll fight every single one of them. (laughs) There's no explanation. They explain this so thoroughly in medical terms. <laughs> I am, I am great. now okay with it. But that's what I want is to have to have a medical degree to watch Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> They're talking about how you know cancer cells and whatever, but it was very simply laid out. Natalie Portman was going to become healthy again by getting Molnir, and then and then Chris Hemsworth whispered like Zeus. Not not Zeus, like uh, Odin, you know, Anthony Hopkins whispered to, you know, whatever the thing that bound Thor, my son can't be such a little shit 
to wield a weapon like this, is basically what he said. When my son is worthy, he can wield a weapon like this. And then Thor did something similar. He's like, hey, weapon, hammer, always take care of Jane. Right? We, we realize that during the flashbacks, and it's, all right, that's great. That's a parallel narrative there. But then the, the hammer kills Jane. <laughs> <laughs> the hammer is, is exactly what kills Jane because... And why didn't the hammer go find Jane when it was in pieces in Asgard? It waited till Jane, who it knew was sick with cancer, was had to travel across countries to go see it? Yeah, I don't get it. Like, it makes no sense while you're watching the movie. and then I mean, we know these things have minds of their own. The entire movie is like a, a lover's triangle right. between... Molnir, Thor, and Stormbreaker, which I loved. I it was loved hilarious. Every it was second hilarious. of it, when yeah. that stupid axe hovers into the outside <laughs> of the frame, I, I am just like the hearty belly laughs, the good mm-hmm. stuff, the stuff that you need once a day. I agree to expand your life expectancy, right? But that's what I mean. Like, just make this a farce. <laughs> Don't make it a farce within the MCU. Like, make it its own thing. And, and this stuff would be so. You, the problem is canon. Right? You can't right. fit all this stuff to, to fit the very serious canon you have established with these characters over the past 20 years. And to come back to it, like Tessa Thompson getting sidelined at the end was like the bummer of all bummers for me. Because I get that you want to give the villain one final muscle flex scene before the finale and build him up. But did it have to be Tessa Thompson? You could have done it to Korg, who you are going to take out anyway, and make him just a mask, which was funny. So you're going to retcon his death immediately. I would have rather they killed off Tessa Thompson. It would have been shocking at they least. They brought back everybody yeah. immediately. In There's this, no like stakes. Nobody's... And that, that goes with the MCU problem that we keep having. There's no, Nothing happens. Nobody's even, allowed even, to die. Even if it did, mm-hmm. even if Tessa Thompson is killed off, we learned in Multiverse of Madness, just go to a different reality and get a new Tessa Thompson. I figured that we were going to have one way to bring these characters back, and it wasn't going to be the characters we've always known and loved, and that's okay. Like, we already established at the end of Endgame that the time travel thing was a way to bring back other characters. So we were going to get glimpses of these characters for all eternity, so they're not really dead. Oh, you have multiple avenues on how to bring back characters after now, Multiverse of Madness now. But You're, now yeah, they're just the, travel, eschewing yeah. all of that. Now it's just, no, he didn't die because he's ahead. <laughs> which is hilarious. The rest of the movie, when Korg is making up his own lyrics to sing the romance of, yes. of the two Thors. Killed me. Absolutely slayed me. <laughs> I'm dying. There I... is stuff that is so funny in this movie that it's like, <laughs> you can't, it, Taika Waititi is a comedic genius. He's a movie genius. He's, he's a directorial genius. It just makes no sense in this story. I felt like I was so easily manipulated and just, I, I just felt so shallow, but I don't care about Tell me the, something, Mike. I don't care about the genie MacGuffin at the end. Like in the middle of this movie, somebody says, oh, he's burrowing to eternity. Go I, I wanted, I was, I almost left the theater. I literally almost left. The, I'm not. I'm not joking. I almost got up and left. Oh, there's a fucking being in the middle of the planet that can grant this one wish to anyone who. Since when? They just and, and just, it just throw so, that into casual conversation. Like, oh, you yeah. know, it's fucking hot out today, huh? You know, there's a guy in the middle of Earth who can. <laughs> 
the middle of the universe. And guess, right. and guess what? Guess where Gore's evil lair is? Oh, it's right there at the middle of the universe. <laughs> but Zeus is sure he's never going to go. He, he'll never go next door to ask for a cup of sugar. What? Don't worry. In the Sam F. Are they it was telling so us? frustrating. It was so and and all right. Let's talk about Gore for a second. Whose yeah. entire premise of this movie? We start on the super serious, super gritty. Thor's traveling the de- or Gore's traveling the desert. Christian Bale with his daughter and he's religious his- zealot. I loved it. It was great. Great yeah. setup. He's praying to his God. He's like, I just provide me food and water, not for me, but I, can you help my daughter? I need my daughter to make it through. And the daughter dies, and it's super sad. And after the daughter dies, yeah. he's given this vision of this oasis where his God shows up, and he's proven that everything he believed in isn't true, and his God is literally mocking him, and that's when he becomes the God Butcher. So Gore, from that moment on, apparently knows about this being in the center of the universe who's going to grant his wish which we don't know about until halfway through the movie. And Gore's wish, while he's slaying all these gods to get to the center of the universe, Gore's wish is going to be to do away with all gods. Tell me what the problem with that is. If you get one wish and your daughter has died, it shouldn't take Thor with a dying Natalie Portman in his arms to say, hey, maybe don't wish that all gods die. Maybe you could use your one wish to bring your daughter back. And the whole reason that I was guessing he was he wasn't thinking of such a thing was the was the fact that the sword was like this evil corrupting him and the vengeance was overtaking him. And they had this opportunity, Michael. Just you have Christian Bale. Just give him five Gollum scenes where the sword, which started talking to him in the first scene yeah. of the movie, yeah, just have him talk to the sword five times during the the film, and it would, I would be take brilliant. That? I would take in the alternative you could you could set this up where Gore getting to the universe is going to kill all Gore's Gore's prerogative could be I need to get to the center of the universe to talk to this being because I want to bring my daughter back but him getting there kills all gods they had the So that could have been the conflict like there's ways around this that you could have made it made sense and it would have been paralleled to the, the you know, Thor talking to Molnir the whole movie, just pining over Molnir even more than he's pining over Oh, that would have worked Jane. beautifully, yeah. You had the motif of the characters all talking to their weapons. So, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think I, we're kind of talking past each other. But, yeah, just the, the obviousness of the ending, I, I really felt angry at that. And then, of course... He was going to like, you don't need the love speech at all. It just felt like the 10th crazy, stupid love speech of the movie, just like in crazy, stupid love where they had 10. I love it you was, speeches I mean, and I want to strangle somebody. It, was, it, wasn't uh, it ruined me. Love. It was lost in translation. <laughs> just I, It was literally lost in translation at the end. Jane whispers in his ear and we don't hear it. Come on, man. Come on. Give me the catchphrase. I mean, it's you're trying again. You're trying to be so sappy over the top, sappy, emotional. That it doesn't necessarily work at the end. That's that's the frustrating part. Uh, I because I wanted to be emotional. I think if this movie was two and a half hours and they let all the tragic yes, comedy breathe, I agree. and you had Gore kind of being a bummer talking to the sword, the demon sword, and that played out more, which I'm guessing they have on the cutting room floor somewhere. Yes, this this is the rare movie where I need more of it. Because I feel like you did a great disservice and you left a lot of stuff out. Like, when they're... Never mind, I'm going to yell about the lightning bolt again in a second. But never mind what the lightning bolt does with the kids with no explanation whatsoever. But when the kids are having their fight, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden in the next scene, 
The kids are supposedly still fighting all these shadow monsters, and Thor, in the next scene, throws Stormbreaker to, uh, the, I can't remember the, the kid's name, the main kid there, uh, Heim, Heim, Heimdall's son. Heimdall's son, yeah. Uh, he throws Stormbreaker to Heimdall's son and says, get out of here. All of a sudden, with no edit, just the kids go from sprawled out in this big shadow monster fight to all of a sudden they're in a perfect circle around Stormbreaker and they can... Like, with no, it doesn't make any sense. There's there's bad editing there. And it's a small thing. It's a nitpick, but it's like there were 11 or 12 of those that there's just no explanation as to how these small things happen to get to from point A to point B so you can do the big thing that you're doing. And it was just frustrating. Yeah. Again, it gives me more appreciation for Top Gun, the sequel, Michael, the oh, Maverick. Well, where they spent bully the, for you. I'm happy for you that you have more appreciation movie. for that movie that you've been gushing about for three weeks now. It's the greatest movie in three years. <laughs> all right? It's a great movie. And I, again, the fact that you can't even embrace that movie as much makes me, it just it drives me up a wall. Because uh, I saw it well, once already 36 years ago. <laughs> My bad. No, 36 <laughs> years ago, it was this. It was, oh, congratulations, Iceman, you have graduated Top Gun. Here <laughs> is your first mission. You're right. Maverick will come along. You're right. <laughs> Maybe. Um, it's ambiguous. He's at the graduation as well, but he didn't sit with the <laughs> class. What are we talking about? I think I think the deus ex machina's MacGuffins, it's it's just rushed in this movie at the end of the day. Yes, I agree. They, I mean, Taika's smart enough to have this somewhere in the script somewhere. The MCU is smart enough. I just don't think they give a damn anymore. That's, they're, they're basically that's, like... Yes. Preach, Michael. But they're like, all right, we're going to keep this at two hours. Yep. Because tonally, this works the most. This is a comedy. We have these A-listers. We're going to make a billion dollars. And hey, don't it, F it doesn't... Up. It doesn't really matter what happens in this movie because we haven't let any... We don't... I, I'm guessing Marvel. I mean, Kevin Feige can be as cryptic as he wants. I'm guessing they're not even sure where they're going, 100% positive where they're going yet. You might have an Oscar-level performance from Christian Bale, an Oscar-level performance from Natalie Portman left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And you might have had it with... You might have had natalie portman's comedic scenes like working opposite jeff goldblum because they actually left that shit on the cutting mm -hmm. room floor too you might have her character fully realized in some director's cut that maybe taika watiti after he's the most popular director on the planet maybe may that day never come i hope i'm rooting for him i'm rooting for his star wars movie to totally resurrect the star wars movie franchise but for christ's sake you might have a great movie on the cutting room floor but you risked and that's the, the enemy of great is now good. And they know this because they're being conservative and they're trying to make a billion dollars. Well, no matter yeah, the what. enemy yeah. of everything is, is revenue. Yeah. Uh, capitalism. That's, that's what this, like they know they're going to make money. So why? And I understand, like, I'm not trying to be so dismissive of everyone involved in the process of making this movie. I'm not trying to say like the editor or the people who work under the editor know that Disney's going to make money. So they weren't trying their hardest. I'm sure they were, but the, the, the directive comes from the top, yeah. you know, and I, I, I can't imagine this was the movie that the people at the top weren't satisfied with, in part because they knew it was going to make a billion dollars regardless. Yeah, the, the people at the top are so, stretched in so many different directions right now. It's, they don't care. Uh, that's unfortunate because Kevin Feige's really been quite the steward for this up till now. But he's he's basically 
trying to wield this entire, you know, their, their world expansion is in three massive directions from the time travel, the theology, and the, uh, uh, what was the third area? We talked Baseball. about it. <laughs> I don't know. Hold on. There was three major <laughs> expansions that they're doing all at once, which is driving me crazy. The theology is yes. failing miserably from Moon Knight to Eternals. The time travel is probably its most successful expansion with Loki. And I think as long as three, you don't think about it. Yeah, right. As long as you don't think about it too hard. The third t- type of expansion is like, oh, the multiverse, the multiverse. Christ. Oh, I, I see. I, I lumped that in with the time travel thing. Yeah, I maybe, but it is because all really. that is to me is it's an avenue to bring back characters if you want to kill but, them off. But it's it is a whole nother area that they're going into. Like if you have multiple versions of every character, that's different than I guess it's similar to time travel, but timelines are, I don't know, Michael. Bottom line is the opening of this movie and and the and the ending, they they have parallels. They really bungled so many storytelling, you know, aspects of this that you have the the steepest arcs for Gore and Jane Foster, and Thor's character arc is just very slim. I mean, it should have. If, Does he if have one? Your, and that's why I'm frustrated. They they basically somehow edited this into being Thor's movie again when it should have been Jane and and Christian Bale's movie. It well, should it have is, been Portman. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, I'm going to push back on you there because you can't have it both ways. Because your biggest concern going into this movie was that they were going to minimize the Jane character, and this turned into Jane's movie. It it became Jane's movie, but she deserved another twenty scenes. Sure, well, in, I in agree her POV. That. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's my point. Like and and maybe those scenes weren't as funny and couldn't keep this a lighthearted romp, right? Because she's dealing with cancer, and the same could be said for her antithesis. And by the way, there's I mean, we were wondering how Natalie Portman agreed to this if it wasn't going to be her movie. There's the rub. I'll do this, but you're killing me off. I'm not coming back for another movie. However, watch the spoiler show. Maybe maybe she will be back. (laughs) <laughs> and she's going into you know Valhalla at the end with Heimdall. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was hinting at there. Yeah, she's, nobody's you know, dead. Right. Anyway, nobody's ever dead. There's no stakes. Why am I watching these movies? <laughs> Why do I give a shit what happens? Because we're just opening our wallets and they just take everything. <laughs> They're just taking everything. And I, I, I want you to explain to me right now the powers of Thor's lightning bolt. What can it do and what can it not do? I don't know. I was. Of course, very... you fucking don't. <laughs> Nobody does. That I mean, for freaking Jane, in a split second, she grabbed the hammer and she like. I guess Thor's always done, but I thought it was just Thor being able to do it because Heimdall beamed him up, Scotty, and like <laughs> the axe. How did the axe be able to make the Rainbow Road get separated fine? from Rainbow Road? Yeah, but fine. If you establish the fact, oh, we need the axe to do this, which they the never do. Can't. It's they never don't. established. Next thing you know, Jane, in a millisecond, she's like on her deathbed, barely surviving, but she's only barely surviving because of the dilemma with Thor. And it's this great sequence. I loved loved it for her character. It's the most heroic thing ever. How the fuck does it happen? (laughs) I don't get it. And I wish I knew that could happen. Those were the stakes. Because it did hit me in the feels when she saves the day, and it's great. The fact that she could do it in seconds on a feeling... Come on. <laughs> That's even much for me. I mean, it works emotionally, and but it doesn't hey, work with the story. If, if, I mean, there's so many, if Stormbreaker is a, 
living entity and capable of feeling jealousy and making its own decisions, which it clearly is. It has autonomy. Why is it helping just because it's got a black hand, a shadow hand on it? That's why it's helping uh, Korg go against Thor? Yeah. And you know what? That's why it's opening this universe, the portal to the universe center? I don't know. I don't. When I don't. did we establish that the lightning bolt can give the kids the power of Thor? When did was that put into play? I think it was just him giving the kids the power, and he uses the lightning bolt as a conduit. I don't know. I gotta watch. What does more, that mean? I gotta watch more <laughs> nerd videos. I, so I Thor could just bestow his power to other people? I, then I, why is there ever a conflict in the MCU? We, we just both, have a billion Thors running around. Yeah, how, how how he could do that just on a whim, and it was hilarious. Don't get me wrong. When those kids got the power, I was enraged. Oh, it was great. Like you. No, it was great. I, it was a fun scene. Because I thought, it was gonna be, I thought it was going to be a t- typical Disney movie. Kid power, yay. And I was going to hate <laughs> these kids. And they, oh, they're going to beat these imaginary monsters that are just henchmen. But the fact that they were ripping them to shreds. Yes, hilarious. Peter Jackson in Dead Alive <laughs> style. It was, it, I was pissing myself yeah, when that great. little teddy bear girl was spinning like freaking was, that was the, one of the highlights of the movie completely this and it's, it speaks to like how good taika watiti is so that there's funny. so many this is a nonsense movie but there's so many highlights <laughs> right so screen crush could say and the guy is really funny does a great job he could give me the theme of this movie that it's eat the rich all day and i just I, can't i did like the subtext of like religion is poison that well, was, yeah, the god; these gods yeah. are awful. They're right. homeland. They're Homelander. They're Steelheart. They're Bizarro Superman. They're mm-hmm. awful. They yeah. need to die and be extinguished. They're, I they're, agree with Gore. <laughs> they're fi- they're fattening off their own hog. They're all uh, gluttonous. Yeah, it's great. They're the one percent, and the rest of us, of course, are the ninety nine. I get it. And it actually sets up the next Thor movie in the post credit scene. So Hercules, the big bad, is uh, what's his name? Not Jamie Tart, but the other guy. Oh, God. That is Jamie Tart, isn't it? Isn't that his No, name? Jamie Tart is the... From Ted Lasso. I can't remember any characters. I might just... I don't have the The guy bandwidth. who's just blown up. We should... Uh, a more prepared podcast would have looked this up ahead of time. Hang on. <laughs> Brett Goldstein. Roy Kent. Roy Seamless Kent. Seamless edit. I may leave that <laughs> He's here. <laughs> he's there. He's every fucking where. Roy Kent. That's the other song. Not Jamie Tart. It's the other one. Now you have those songs in your head the rest of the day and you're angry with me. More angrier than for us to be mad with this movie, even though we like it somehow. Both sides of our mouth. We're the yin and yang on this show. But it's true. Like if ever a movie deserved it, it's the one where nothing is explained and we laugh a lot and things and clap, you know, like that's fine. I enjoyed the epilogue somehow, too. And I shouldn't have, because I was mad at the epilogue. Oh, but everything's okay. He has a daughter now. How fitting. But then they have these adorable scenes over pancakes (laughs) and putting on her boots. And that's his real daughter. That's Chris Hemsworth's real daughter in the scene that you find out later. And she has this brilliant Australian accent with the same comedic timing of her father. Like she was such a stupid character. She just get red. I was mad that she was just resurrected. I went, and the wrong kid died is what I was thinking. 
And then they resurrect her, and she's hilarious, and she's jumping out into the battle, and she's got her dad's head bob, and I'm freaking dying. I thought it was, it was really funny. I was mad for Thor that like your love, <laughs> your love interest just died, the person your soulmate just died. Yeah. You spent the entire movie chasing down this god killer and fighting him and fighting him, and then you got like for all your the reward you get is being thrust into fatherhood. The supervillain's kid. You have here's to take a child care that you have no attachment to that you now have the burden of taking care of and raising awful <laughs> but it's, it's his own real child and it yeah right. it's an adorable well, which, which i did not know that's adorable but he doesn't even stretch his acting to like absorb all this he's just like this numb blue-eyed god do you know i know you haven't emote. watched snl much but have you watched the pete davidson chad skits no i don't know what that is it's it, he does all these different things and he like the women there's always one woman in a scene with him who will like end up fawning over him and he's just a total dude bro who like has is incapable of showing any kind of emotion well there like, it is yeah. like julia louis dreyfus will be like chad will be her her pool boy and she'll be having an affair and she's like chad we can't do this anymore my husband's going to find out i need to i need to break away i need to let you go and pete davidson will be like oh okay <laughs> just turn around and she'll be like no wait i can't you're right our emotions are too strong oh cool <laughs> you know that that's what thor is thor is chad Thor's chat. I'm, I'm a bit of a nihilist, and it, it is exhausting in this episode with all these characters. I mean, Mike, there's an entire race of rooster people that kind of look like Sweetums from The Muppet Show. He's the ogre, the giant ogre. I would spend ten movies with them. Yeah. They are the funniest, visually the funniest bunch of cannon fodder I have ever seen in my entire life. I could, I mean, this movie won me over in the first 20 minutes. Between the, the gore backstory into the Oasis, I'm rooting for hell, I'm rooting for him to win because he's the, it's that good of a sequence. And then you have the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor running amok. And all these rando places. And that blue guy, the blue king of the blue man group, he don't he, talk about the city. I'm just gonna get sad and mad. <laughs> he I'm pissing myself laughing his, so hard. His his backhanded, like dry, sarcastic wit giving Thor the two yelling donkeys or the two yelling yaks or whatever. Goes, I'm heaving like, hey, there's a there's a present for you, you've already accepted it, so they're yours now. <laughs> I'm heaving when those stupid goats are on the ship. And, and everybody's just trying. Nebula's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm heaving with laughter. I'm dying. It's the funniest freaking scene of the year. It's the funniest comedy of the they year. They slam. So you're going slowly into the shadow realm, and you think it's like a distance away. And then those screaming goats just slam head first into it. <laughs> well, that's the homage to the, you know, the moon, uh, you know, silent film from forever ago. Whatever his name was. I forget from film school. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It's just absolutely hilarious. Um the uh, the montages, the montages in this movie are just next level funny between Thor and Jane's relationship, catching us up on Thor's history of all his tragedies and his family. Yeah. When Korg is just, uh, I'm, I'm dying when that happens. And then what was the Enya's only time montage? Was that the Thor and Jane's relationship or whatever that was? I don't remember. I don't remember how that song was used, but when I heard that song, I was I was laughing really hard. Like the people next to me were annoyed with me. I was laughing so much in this movie. 
which is again why we had to you know angrily text each other after the movie last night. I was like, I loved it. And you're like, <laughs> eat my ass. And just we were mfing each other in the <laughs> the text message. It's just a no- it's a nonsense movie. Can you agree with me there? Yes. It's not things just happen, and but it's who nonsense. Who cares if it's this? If it's this, you know, right? You're more apologetic funny. to it when it is this funny. I, I, I mean, Taika Waititi's a genius. He really is. Can I also say I loved how Christian Bale fought? Like he was terrifying. How he would his teleport. gait was great. Like under the, the, the his earth? walking and his stride with carrying the sword and dragging oh. both weapons. He, he's everything about him. Like the director's cut of this movie needs to be seen, just because we know yeah. there's more Christian Bale stuff on the cutting room floor. Whether he's too scary for kids that they don't allow it, but like that's what I'm frustrated. Like because we're rooting for Christian Bale's character. He's one of those anti-heroes that we're pulling for. Yeah, all the gods must die, and it, and we're affirmed. Like he he's vindicated. This whole movie is just vindicating Christian Bale's. You know, Gore character, the oh, yeah. God Butcher. We, we this totally is part of the Marvel problem. Like the the villains have turned out to be right. If you're a but here's certain the type of person, once he kidnaps all the kids, you're like, oh, he's a child abductor. We can't root for him anymore. So the he he, he character assassinates himself, and then at the end, oh, he's why an did he idiot. kidnap the kids? He's kidnapping the kids to get the one thing that that one weapon that could he just needed burrow. Stormbreaker, right? He just needed Stormbreaker. Which so even that doesn't make sense. If you use teleportation properly. <laughs> if you have access to teleportation, which every character in this movie does, this movie doesn't happen. <laughs> you could you could just get there, teleport under the earth, swipe. If Swiper was a character in this movie from uh, What's That Kid Show? Swiper, no swiping. What's that kid's show? I have uh, no Dora. idea what you're talking Dora about. Dora the Explorer. If, if Forget any of these characters. If Swiper was in this movie, the movie would have been one. Because none of these idiots know how to use teleportation powers. Or what about, like, we were maybe a draft away from that being the movie. It's just Thor and Gore teleporting right. and stealing from each other the it's entire a, time. It's a three-minute movie. Yeah, if Loki was in this movie, Loki would win easily. So stupid. But uh, I don't care if they make us laugh a hundred times. Uh, loved all. Uh, loved the backstory with uh, Matt Damon, Sam Neill. I was going to say, did you like uh, Melissa McCarthy's cameo? She sh- She's showing up and just being angry is hilarious. Her husband's mm. in that scene as well. I already said I loved all the hammer. Every uh, every jealous weapon scene is just piss my pants funny. Mm-hmm. Very good. Therapeutically Very good funny. It's that funny. Uh, I, but I loved how all of the characters get. Like, Sif is funny in this. And she started to be funny in Loki, the show. And mm-hmm. she gets to be funny in this on her, you know, dying, but not really. Again, nobody dies in this. Nobody's allowed to die, really. <laughs> Sif is dying in battle. But no, she's not, she's not going to die. He's going to save her. And the dead monster, what a sight to behold in that scene. And then, yeah, Sif is funny. The King Valkyrie Old Spice commercial, that montage, again, really funny. And the stupid flute guy comes and plays the Old Spice theme. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really good. Uh, she gets on She gets on the boat. Valkyrie. I mean, the Valkyrie stuff is hilarious in this movie. She gets on the boat and she's throwing everything off. Because she's so strong. And then there's like a keg of beer. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, that stays. That's a necessity. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. I mean, I don't know. I just like the 
there's so many little throwaway lines. We may rewatch this movie, and it might be once upon a time in Hollywood level greatness. For I'm us. sure, we don't give and a that's shit. that's that's probably that. Like, if you go into this knowing that you're just, if you go into this not thinking and just wanting the comedy, it's a great experience. Korg, Korg is funny a hundred times. Like, yeah, I just, and then every time Korg I go, being gay. It's hilarious. The that, entire his entire species relying on there being two dads for every kid is hilarious. When mustached Thor, he he meets a guy <laughs> Dwayne the Rock. Yeah, that's great. Great. He he falls in love with Dwayne the Rock. <laughs> it's perfect. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So yeah, it, it, I don't know. I just feel dumber because every time a goat screams or every time I hear Korg say anything I'm laughing like an idiot. So I guess that's where we end with this movie. I talk myself <laughs> up. I I I wasn't going to do it, but I think I talked myself up. This is a B plus 87 oh, movie. Oh god, no it isn't, Mike. Yes it is. <laughs> no it if is not. If it's worth 100 laughs, is it not a B plus? We just said the no, black it's, phone. No, it's 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 hilarious in spite of itself. Elvis which- is the bane of our existence if we saw this in year one of Mike, Mike, and Oscar because it's we're not allowed to like it. And now that we're old and weathered and we've already been disappointed so many times by the dunes of the world, and probably Dune we should have liked more. We know we should have liked it more. But Elvis, we're forgiving Elvis its mortal sins, its seven deadly sins. How can we not forgive this movie its seven deadly sins? If you sins? don't have a story, be entertaining. I agree with that. Don't be mm-hmm. Dune, be Elvis. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Don't be boring. Just throw shit at me. Throw lights and colors at me, and this movie <laughs> does. And it throws a lot of high comedy, too. That doesn't take away from the fact that it's nonsense. <laughs> it's nonsense! Well, Caddyshack is nonsense. Is Caddyshack not a B plus? Caddyshack- this Caddyshack! Have it be a standalone movie! <laughs> you can't... Like, there's a difference between not wanting to think about something and... You can't think about things you have to think about. <laughs> like, you, if you've seen any Thor movie or any MCU movie going into this, you're gonna, you can't help but think, like, this makes no sense. Well, that maybe that's why they're not, I'm not trying to be anything. a gatekeeper either. But, I'm sure I'm coming it, off that way, but, but, dude, this is why they're not connecting anything yet. They're just like, let's have fun. We just reached peak level success. Nobody gives a damn. Let's do, let's get the, the, best filmmakers in the world to do the funniest funnest marvel stories out there and we'll worry about connecting it all later and we're i guess we'll you know we'll lay the groundwork to all this shit on the mcu uh disney plus series but let's just let's just take a stab at all these things but but here's the problem they can't they've they've come up against some like spider-man was successful but spider-man in a normal climate would have made three billion dollars <laughs> right right That's so true. they probably didn't make the money they needed to make necessarily on all these films so th- this is like a backstop thor being a billion dollar movie is like their backstop they know they need to make a billion dollars with this movie so they were conservative with how they edited it they didn't want it to make it avengers endgame you know that's fine. I I don't need the grab. Like, there's also a way in which you could have all this comedy, and still pull off a coherent story. They've done it because they've done it. We've seen right. them do right. it. Right. That's my point. And that's. But, I mean, that needs to be held against it. I just think they've gone grown fat on the hog. Right. I agree. It's that Pixar, should be held against it, shouldn't it? Pixar and then the MCU. But the problem is when you compare Thor: Love and Thunder to these other movies that we're giving B plus eighty sevens. How 
how do you not give Thor Love and Thunder a B plus 87 it's a when B- we gave I'll, the I was going to say C plus the entire, it's B, fine, 80, B minus, that's it. That's as that's as far as I'm going. <laughs> You're a harder grader, but I like for me, I'm when I compare and contrast this to the other movies that I've given higher grades to, I'm a total hypocrite if I don't give this a B plus eighty seven. Eighty seven. That's I was Oscars gonna, territory, Mike. I was gonna give it an eighty five, but no, you know my Oscars territory. Half the Oscar movies I give B minuses. Yeah, but the ones that are really good, you give B+. Because the Academy's wrong. The Academy's wrong. But we've the ones established- that are really good, you give B-pluses to. If we've established anything, we disagree with the Academy. The elite of the elite. We disagree with them. Jesus. That's our whole thing at Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'll, I'll say this. You were, you were more negative than I thought you were going to be, but you ended up raising your grade anyway, which terrifies me. <laughs> no. Because if you were any more positive, is this an right. A movie? Oh my God! I agree. No, we are lost. We are lost souls. You're you can't get out of your you can't get out of your seven hundred times in a row. I'm consistent. Pitfall of overhyping yourself, no matter what we do, mm-hmm. and I can't help. Um, I can't help being hard on the the Oscar movies, being too hard on them, and I can't help forgiving the movies where I have biases towards. I can't help it. That's why probably we're not critics. We're probably not critics for that reason. Like true, write it down type critics. We'll analyze the news and we'll just keep arguing about movies. That's uh, that's our lane. We're radio perso- personalities. Yeah. We're biased sports radio personalities. That's what we are. Yeah, we're homers. Very true. Very true. Guys, as always, what matters most to us are your thoughts. And the biggest question to end this episode on is what did you think of this movie? What is the grades you give it? What do you forgive it for? What do you hold against it? And how do you think it compares to what we've seen from Taika Waititi in the MCU, out of the MCU, and otherwise? Let us know all that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all of those, as always, on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us right now on either the Apple podcast or Spotify app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do here, hopefully we made you laugh a few times this episode somewhere along the way. Uh, you can leave us that and take a couple seconds out of your day. We truly thank you for everyone who has done so thus far. And if you will do so as well, Michael, tell the good people what's coming next from us and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Uh, is it wise to have Mike hate all the movies that you will eventually love before you can love them? I mean, it might just you. I might just need that now for every movie. Like Mike, do, should we go back and do everything everywhere all at once? And and you'll hate the darling of the season. Like I think you're afraid to review that movie because you know you're. Uh, it gonna does hate get it. to a point. It does get to a point where I'm like that. Yeah, it absolutely does. Especially so far removed from some from everybody loving it so much. Oh, everybody. Yeah. Loves that movie. You would be the hero. So I of go your into it like brain. with the with the the little girl from Despicable Me. Like it's so fluffy, and then I leave like grew from Despicable Me. <laughs> yeah, and here I am, just the minions, just flatlining. That's why I love you. <laughs> um, we're gonna review the Emmy nom reactions next week. We think. 
because we do that twice a year. We think I, we, we, there was debate in the pre-show whether or <laughs> we not don't we know do this what twice we do. a year. We've done this show so many years now. It's just, we're, we don't know. We have no idea. We're lost. Uh, do we do the gray man? Do we not do the gray man? Uh, we got persuasion. Jane Austen's persuasion. We could do that next week. Uh, now, when you say we... Could, we. <laughs> Or we could just do the Oscar race checkpoint and review what we review. So we might just do Emmys and then an ORC next week. And then we're back uh, with another huge movie for the end of July here with Nope. I and again, like my expectations it. are huge. I, I, I can't wait for that. There's no way Nope is as good as it is in my brain right now. That's that's the thing. So how do we talk our I probably need an Oscar race checkpoint to talk myself down. And then I need you to see Nope before me and dislike it more than I will. <laughs> well, I'll say this about a Jordan uh, Jordan Poole movie. I almost Peel. Said, Peel, Jesus. I almost called him Jordan Peterson, by the way. Jordan well, Peele movie. Yeah, New Jordan Peterson. Poole is on the Warriors. Uh, yeah, I still have Celtic brain. Maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've yet to... I've had high hopes both times, and I've yet to be let down by him. True. So we'll see. We're not going to do Where the Crawdads Sing. Are we sure about that? Have we decided <laughs> that? The, the Robert Harris goes to Paris. Are we, are we punting on that? Was it Jeffrey Zhang? He did he put out the gif where or the meme, the Robert De Niro thing. Uh, you're laughing. The crawdags are singing and you're <laughs> laughing. Gru is rising and you're laughing. Robert De Niro uh, at the bar stool. <laughs> the good. man is gray and you're laughing. I don't, what, what else can I say? This is the funniest gif ever. There's everything everywhere all at once, and you're laughing. Love comes with thunder, and you're laughing? <laughs> all right, let's get out of here, <laughs> guys. Good, good job. As always, uh, what did I? I did the closing already, right? How do I get out of here, Mike? <laughs> what do I say? Where am I? Have I been teleported? I, when do I say see ya? <laughs> I say see ya at some point soon. Just cue me. <laughs> I can't help you. When reality sucks, you can love and or thunder with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. Go, Mike. See ya. There you go.